Welcome to the Joy in Medicine podcast series. I'm Elizabeth Tracy. And I'm Charlie Cummings. I'm a physician at Johns Hopkins. I'm one of the albatrosses of the group in that I've been practicing medicine since 1961. I got out of medical school, so that's a long period of time. I don't know if I would describe you as an albatross. I'd rather say that you're a guy with abundant clinical experience. Well, and you know what? True. And it's a blessing because for me, I have a perspective on illness that I think some of the younger folks don't have. One of the blessings of getting old is you do gain perspective. I'd ask you to share just a little more about that. What perspective specifically does that give you? An appreciation of the good fortune that I have for still being upright I'm able to continue to enjoy life, and I think I'm able to continue to learn from life. On that wonderful message, I'm going to turn another question to you, and that's why are we doing this series that we're calling Joy in Medicine? What's important about that? Yeah. Well, you have to sit and watch what happens over time in medicine, and I've seen the intrusion of technology. Technology is wonderful and has contributed to many life-saving contributions, but it also has driven a wedge between the physician and the patient. It dehumanizes, I think, the power of the physician and the patient relationship. You brought us really nicely to our first podcast in this series, and our first podcast really focuses on something called the Society of Bedside Medicine. It's really an initiative to bring physicians back to the bedside and practice their skills. What do you think about that? Why do we need it? Medicine is based on human illnesses and the observation of the human illness and the diagnosis and hopefully treatment of the human illness. That's the key thing. You learn about the patient when you do the physical examination. I was speaking with a dear friend of mine who recently had a cardiac problem, had an evaluation. This person is a very good physician, and he had his evaluation, and the cardiologist talked with him, looked at the EKG strips, but at no time touched the patient. No time listened to the heart. No time did anything. Gave his diagnosis, gave him some medication, and away he went. He said that was striking that that could happen and what a loss it was in terms of an interpersonal relationship. That, I think it goes on a lot. So then would you say, is it fair to say that you would applaud this movement back to the bedside and the development of the skill set? Well, it's a re-entry into what medicine's all about, in my opinion. That's the sound of a heartbeat. Of course, you know that already. But, but that second sound, listen to this sound. Do you know what this is? So what you just heard are crackles. And crackles can mean a number of different things. But usually what they mean is that there's either fluid in the lungs or there's some process that's caused either inflammation or scar in the lungs. And so they're a sign of potentially a serious lung problem. How often do you hear them in people? In my clinic, I hear crackles in almost everybody because I work in a clinic of patients who have scarred lung diseases. But when you start listening for crackles in the hospital, you begin to hear them in a number of different diseases and contexts. And you can use them to help you understand what changes you need to make in someone's medications or how to understand what's happening in their bodies. 
That's Brian Garibaldi. Brian is both a pulmonologist, a lung expert at Johns Hopkins, and is also co-president of the Society of Bedside Medicine. Brian, I need to hear more about this. What exactly is the Society of Bedside Medicine? The Society is a group of clinician educators from across the world who have recognized that it's really important for us to get back to the bedside and to spend time with our patients and share discovery, share decision-making. And we're also very interested in improving physical exam skills because we've recognized that over the last several years, there's been a decline in our ability to diagnose disease with our patients at the bedside using our eyes, our ears, our hands. And this is fundamentally important to the doctor-physician relationship and really, really imperative to improve our skills so that we can focus on reducing diagnostic error, order tests more efficiently, reduce cost of care, and improve the experience for physicians and patients alike. So those are the things I'm really interested in exploring. When you say improving the experience for both the physician and the patient, why does it help to actually have a hands-on experience? Starting from the patient's perspective, patients recognize when a physician is spending time with them they recognize if a, if a physician hasn't touched them or hasn't established a physical connection with them. You know, obviously the history is one of the most important things that we do, but the physical exam is still incredibly important in making a number of different diagnoses or really understanding how someone's body or disease is changing. And patients recognize when a doctor doesn't examine them at all or tries to listen to their chest across their sweater and their vest. They recognize that they're not getting the full attention of their physician. Let's go back to those crackles. Turns out that Sheila Garrity, one of Brian's patients, has them as a result of a rare type of pneumonia, abbreviated BOOP. The classic sign of the BOOP is this rub. It's a crackle that you hear with a stethoscope, and Brian had a special device to measure it. And it's so, it's awesome to see a physician when a light bulb goes off. He's like, oh my gosh, do you want to hear it? And has me listen. He calls in his residents, you know, listen, you need to listen to this because you don't hear it very often. Because of these special crackles, Brian asked Sheila to act as a standardized patient where physicians in training examine Sheila and try to diagnose her. Of the maybe 10 to 15 physicians that came in, only one actually took down my gown. And so the rest listened with the stethoscope through the gown. I have a swollen ankle, and that was kind of a red herring because that has nothing to do with it, but they're like, maybe it's a deep vein thrombosis that's affected her lungs, and they, they couldn't figure it out. So the one that took down the gown, you know, do you mind if I take down the gown? So then you see all these scars and bruises, and. And she started to talk, and I couldn't help myself. I'm like, you're so close. Come on. And so she's looking, and she said, did you, were you treated for breast cancer? And you know, I'm not supposed to answer any questions. Like, and she said, I wonder if she had radiation. Sheila had radiation as part of her ongoing treatment for breast cancer, treatment that has rendered her rather an expert on a patient's perspective. The one person that actually asked if she could pull down my gown was the only one that made eye contact with me as well. And so that is something in a teaching hospital that I believe often happens. It's like, okay, we're, we're working with this group of physicians here, and here's the patient, but the patient is really the, not guinea pig, but the patient, we're just 
you know, don't talk, we're just looking at you and doing all this. So the physical exam is that means of connection between the physician and the patient, which is key. And you need that even if there are 10 other people in the room, which often happens when you're in the hospital and there's rounds, we look to the physician to set the tone. Good morning, you know, I've got my team with me and looking at you in the eye and here's what we're gonna do today. And so that didn't happen with the team of trainees. Sometimes they would introduce themselves, but they were very nervous and there was no eye contact. And did I give you a message there? Was it the physical exam is key? Yeah, you gotta connect with your patient. I'd like to just return back to you and how you feel. If you can compare and contrast for me, an encounter with a physician where someone does do a physical exam and an encounter where someone doesn't do one, or it seems perfunctory to you, how that feels for you. I feel as if I am not being um, properly cared for if I don't have a hands-on physical exam. For me, that may say, okay, well, this is probably not the physician for me. If they're just gonna sit there and talk, 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 okay, listen to your heart through the gown and look in your nose and you know, no hands-on, then I think that I would not stay with that physician. Okay, so it's clear that the physical exam is important to patients, but as Brian has already stated, it's also a really important thing for doctors. Here's Timothy Neeson, a hospitalist. That's somebody who specializes in the care of people who are hospitalized at Johns Hopkins. You know, over the last decade that I've been working in medicine, I see a lot more of our residents and trainees move away from the bedside and towards the team rooms, the offices. Sometimes when you walk into the office, you see only the back of everyone's head because they're all facing the computer. In fact, I know most of our interns, you know, by their balding patterns uh, more than I know by their face. And so getting all of our interns to go back towards the parts that bring a lot of joy in medicine, like appreciating the sign of Kussmaul, where the neck veins rise when you inspire until they collapse, which is what we just saw in rounds this morning. These kinds of things you'll never appreciate at a computer screen. You'll only appreciate in the presence of the patient. And the Society of Bedside Medicine is a nationwide organization to help bring about interest and tools to help doctors and the people who train young doctors to get back to the bedside. This whole drawer of notes and letters and other mementos of patients that I've cared for over time, all of that comes from spending time with them at the bedside. That's what I try to teach our residents, to sit down and, and just be present. That's the most important piece. Pascal says, of course, that one should always carry something beautiful inside. And this is really beautiful, so if you don't mind, I'll read it. It says, thank you, dear Dr. Neeson, we would like to just express our utmost gratitude for your total commitment to my mom's care, your tireless pursuit of the most correct course of action, and your warm encouragement in the most difficult of times. You gave my mom the support she needed just at the perfect moment. We could tell that you were doing everything in your power to determine the most correct course of action, not just medically, but a course which also had my mom's best interests at the forefront. If you should ever have a really tough day, we imagine that most days are tough, but a day that makes you want to say enough 
we want to remind you that your dedication and heart really made a really big difference, one that we will never forget in our family's life. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's some good stuff. Exactly. So it's, it's in building these kinds of relationships for our young doctors that I really want to get them to the bedside so that they can share in these kinds of experiences over time, too. Because it's not going to happen in the team room with your face in front of the computer the entire time, managing what Abraham Verghese calls the eye patient, right? The electronic representation of that person. So that's the Joy in Medicine podcast series for this month. We are so very fortunate because all of the music that we've been hearing throughout this series and will be hearing throughout this series was not only written, but also performed by Brian Garibaldi, a physician, the co-president of the Society of Bedside Medicine, and also an incredible musician. We're so thankful. We thank you so very much for listening to the Joy in Medicine podcast series. We intend to do one a month, and we hope that you'll tune in every month. I'm Elizabeth Tracy. And I'm Charlie Cummings. This podcast series is brought to you in part through the generosity of the John Conley Foundation, which focuses on medicine and humanism.